Sales, more well-established lesbian. Chapter 30 Birthdays hadn't always worked out brilliantly for me. I'd learned to expect nothing and be delighted with whatever occurred. Not because birthdays had been terrible per se, just that since the days of temping bowling and quasar parties, they just never quite been what I'd hoped. I learned to manage my own expectations. I wanted to do something to mark my 30th, but I didn't really want a party. I was more inclined to greet 30 with a nod rather than a warm embrace. For me, my main birthday treat to myself is to take the day of my birthday off. I think we've discussed my issue slash feelings about having to give other people cake on my birthday. If I can wangle it, I'll treat myself to a birthday week off. And my 30th deserved a week off, in my humble opinion. I was very ready to put my feet up and stop hauling other people's shopping around for a bit. We'd had a busy month. Ashley had totally settled into her new job and her new team, and she was burning the candle at both ends regularly, but loving it. After all of my Olympic ticket registering, I came away with nothing in the ballot. Luckily, a friend was able to secure some tickets to the only event I truly cared about, the judo. I was beyond made up about it. I was finally going to be at an Olympics. Even as a spectator, that had seemed like a long shot. London 2012 was going to go off and I was so glad I was going to be able to see even a slice of it. On the upside, my loss in the ticket system was probably for the best. I have no idea where I'd have got that 1700 quid from. I was counting down the minutes to my annual leave, but my wonderful workmates weren't letting me sneak away quietly. They spoiled me rotten. It was like a bonus birthday. They'd had a whip round, signed a card and bought me some prezies. One was a little homage to my Welsh roots. Another was a planter with lavender in it. I mean, it was lovely. I just wasn't quite sure of the thinking behind it. But as I say, it was lovely. I mean, owning a lovely planter complete with flourishing plants, I mean... That is the sign of a 30-year-old with her shit together. I mean, come on, it is. And if it isn't, I don't know what is. I put it outside our front door to send a clear signal to the neighbours that uh, a grown-up lives here now. You know, the kind of grown-up with a plant in a planter. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they were a little intimidated, if we're honest. God love Sharon. But sometimes I wondered why we'd ever be in charge of the collection money. I mean, a planter, Sharon. Have a word with yourself. Still, it's the thought that counts as I stared over my fry-up at this enormous plant pot I now had to get from the canteen home. Oh, that canteen. Work breakfasts. That was one of my absolute favourite parts of the job. 
At half past nine in the morning, everyone who wasn't out driving went for breakfast. And the place still had one of those good old-fashioned subsidised canteen. Every single day I could, I ate a full English fry-up and washed it down with a can of Coke for the glorious sum of £1.50. An absolute bargain. And so tasty. And no washing up. I mean, so much winning. But breakfast was just as much a social thing as it was a refuelling well needed after a a 4am start. Here was where we shared the stories. We didn't have time to fill out with detail and we passed each other on the shop floor. Whether it was four of us or 16 of us, it always had a sense of a big family meal about it. And each person was a scintillating part of a bigger soap opera. You know, entire families worked there. Entire families were created there. There were never less than five rumours of interdepartmental romance. Not to mention the gossip from the other shops or about the area or regional managers. There was always something. One of my personal favourite moments was watching the butch from the petrol station fall for the girl in the canteen. Oh, it was a classic lesbian love story. It unfolded through months of awkward flirting, engineering excuses to work in closer proximity. Then, then there was a work night out. And sticking to the lesbian script, uh, I'm not sure they've been apart to this day. Facebook tells me there's a baby and a lot of happiness. I am here for it. But oh my God, was it painful to watch in the early days. I mean, it nearly put me off with fried bread. Both of them were giving out signals so strong the International Space Station got the hint. But not these two. I mean, undeniably cute, but frustrating as all hell. I just wanted to scream, Oscar out, damn it, over the top of my baked beans some mornings. But as they say... All's well that ends well. In true butch style, I spent my week off doing a a little woodworking and building a set of shelves that I could have saved myself probably a lot of time, effort and money buying from Ikea. To be honest, I think I'd just gotten a little cocky after nailing the wallpaper in. It all felt very grown-up. It felt like the kind of stuff you were supposed to do when you're a 30-something. And we're doing it. We had the nice house. We had the nice car on the drive. We had our holiday booked and paid for. I looked around me. Our lives looked like their lives. It seemed to me we were pretty much measuring up. I knew Ashley wanted more, though. She wanted the bigger the nicer house, without housemates, obviously. She wanted the bigger, nicer car. She wanted two holidays a year. She wanted everything to be just so. The gap between our earnings had kept growing. Ashley was doing so well, it felt like my contribution was pocket money sometimes it felt like I was holding Ashley back a bit you know just a van driver had been ringing in my ears 
it was back to that proper job situation. I needed to get back on the career ladder and try and do some climbing. It was no good having a head full of dreams if I couldn't make something of them to pay my bills. And I hit a ceiling in my job. No matter how much extra responsibility I took on, I couldn't land a promotion. I started looking elsewhere in the store. Ideally, I wanted back into training. But that job, that job belonged to a woman who was so old, I think she was around when the shop opened in 1900 and frozen to death. And death was what it was going to take to get this woman out of her job. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I wasn't spending my 30s driving a van, no matter how good the tan on my right arm was or how ridiculously fit I had become. My own dreams and plans all seemed so ridiculous, so unachievable. They weren't going to add to life for Ashley and I. Not the way she wanted to live it. And I, I wanted to make her happy. You know, Ashley had drive and direction and I was all ideas and plans that often came to naught. And I didn't hate the life we had. Without housemates, I thought the three of us could live quite happily. If I could get back to a decent job, Maybe we could finally be rid of housemates. And so I put my notions of one of my wild ideas or schemes actually coming to fruition. You know, put aside my idea that this time next year, Rodney, we'll be millionaires. If we're going to live this life, then let's live it. You know, Ashley's goals, her dreams, they didn't seem so bad to me. Maybe I'd been half-hearted. Maybe it was time to go all in. You know, I really wanted to live up to the image Ashley liked us to show to the world. One day, I wanted the cash I pulled out of my wallet to pay for us on date night. To not have been put there by Ashley before we went out. I doubt anyone ever noticed or knew, but I knew. And I felt like a fraud. And authenticity, that's where my confidence comes from. You know, whatever my place in the world, I try to own it, try to make it mine. If it's not real, if it's not me or my place, I'll never truly pull it off. And it was clear to me that that was what Ashley wanted. I doubted her when she said she just enjoyed the dynamic. It seemed to me that what she wanted the world to see was what she really wanted, whether the world was watching or not. I doubt she wanted to be putting the cash in my wallet either. I resolved to myself to make my 30s the decade I became the butch I wanted to be, and by extension, that Ashley wanted me to be. I was starting to see 30 as my own New Year's Eve. And I was looking it dead in the eye and it somehow felt less scary that way. Still didn't want a big fuss on the day though. A cheeky Nando's and some drinks with some of my favourite people would do just nicely. But my favourite people, they had other ideas. 
After dinner, they took me to a comedy night where my champagne never ran dry and we laughed harder at our own jokes than most of the comedians. Sipping champagne through a straw, I deserved a hangover from hell. But I woke up suspiciously fresh. I took inventory. No aches, no pains, my head was fine. I mean, I was a little thirsty, but no more than usual. I recalled the night. I'd been hammered. I mean, proper shit-faced. I remember coming home and I, uh, oh, God. I talked to the gimp. I had a very direct conversation with him. The memory continues to play. Why? Oh, why can't I be somebody who forgets what they did when they were smashed? Because what I did... Well, I'd fetched the WD-40 and an Allen key. I had handed these to the gimp and informed him that the entire house, nay, the entire street, knows when he's having a wank. I suggested he tighten his bed frame and uh, address the squeaking. And perhaps, perhaps, maybe he should masturbate less furiously. And then I put myself to bed. I have never been so relieved to find out that the gimp had gotten up and gone out early. It was a big LARPing weekend, apparently. Thank fuck. That said, we never spoke of it again, and it did get just a little less obvious. So, a win's a win. But my remaining issues with him were bathroom-related. A warm toilet seat and wide-open windows always made me shudder when I sat down. Not to mention the horror of our bedroom being next to the bathroom. Trying to get an early night? Congratulations. You now get to hear the gimp take his mammoth nightly dump. I had more than Ashley's expectations to motivate me to be able to afford not to have to listen to that shit. Literally. I mean, whatever way you looked at it, I was motivated. My timing was perfect. I broached the subject with the HR manager on my return to work. Within a week, I had an interview in a shop in the next town over as a trainer. No 4am start, only the odd weekend here or there, and a decent pay rise. Hmm. This summer was turning into a most excellent summer. The weather made my last days in the van a sunny farewell. There's a really odd freedom to a job that has you tracked and timed to the minute because it's just you and your van. There's nobody to boss you around. You just go out and you get the job done. I'd miss being parked up somewhere with incredible views, just feet on the dash, having my lunch. I wouldn't miss having to pee in a lay-by when the route didn't really work out for me toilet wise and I wasn't going to miss Ashley adding you know but she's working on X, Y or Z 
when she told people what I did for a living. But those van driver wages, they had been put to good use. It was holiday time and we had two weeks in the sun booked. The perfect break before my new job. We picked a different sunny island this time. Nobody fancy going back to Cyprus. Can't say I blame us. I couldn't wait to be poolside. Board shorts and a bikini top. That's all I planned on wearing for two weeks. Well, until I worked out if going topless was an option. Looking butch in the summer can be a bit of a challenge. I do talk about clothes a lot because they're a huge part of making me feel like me. And it's a lot easier to achieve my desired butch aesthetic in winter. You know, there's some layers and bulk there. But summer is tricky. Now, I am very lucky. I've got a skinny body. And coupled with spending my entire childhood and teenage years playing sport, I'm still getting away with it now, frankly. I've always had enough in the boob department, but never too much. There's sort of a boyishness to my body, but I'm definitely that skinny white girl that we see everywhere. Some of though could feel very exposing. Like everyone can see that my head doesn't belong on my body. That they can see that I'm not as butch as my baggy jumpers or hoodies would have you believe. You know, even when I was lifting regularly, it wasn't so much of a gun show as lumps on a stickman. I knew I was never going to look like the ideal self I had in my mind. You know, for starters, I definitely stopped growing. I mean, five foot six was only happening on a good quiff day. I was going to have to let those five foot ten dreams die. And more importantly, it became clear to me very quickly that... um, I wasn't willing to put in the work required to bulk up and be buff. So, you know, my arms weren't going to be impressing anyone with my flexing. And my legs looked like I didn't even know they were supposed to have a day, much less that I'd skipped it forever. So what do you do in that situation? Well, what I did is I find some bits I like and I work those bits. You know, as a skinny woman who did a billion sit-ups in her teen years, this means underwear with an obvious, slightly obnoxious waistband at times, and jeans that sit dangerously low on my hips. And I do mean dangerously low. Peril of them dropping is real. Waistband is just above that hairline and my jeans are just below the waistband. It's all positioned perfectly to highlight the V-shape that cuts in from my hips. I want to lead your eye and your mind somewhere very specific. Jeans or board shorts, it doesn't matter to me. Everything is worn low, just hanging on my hips. I can feel them as I swagger just a little bit. Or as I drag my shirt up and roll my hips on the dance floor. It's become somewhat of a signature move. I've done it that much. The other part of myself I was comfortable with was my boobs. Part of this is luck once more. 
I've never really needed a bra. My boobs have never caused me any discomfort. They've never gotten in the way or affected my ability to present as masculine. I'm aware how lucky I am that I don't experience dysphoria. That doesn't mean that becoming comfortable in my body was a breeze, but again, I do count myself lucky that I've been able to accept my body as is. I remember Doc and I talking about it. He and I had mused upon transitioning for him and for me. Um, in another life, in other circumstances, I feel sure Doc would have transitioned, would have taken that opportunity with both hands. But for me, I couldn't see myself as a man. And I didn't want to work in the world and have other people see me as a man. I mean, sure, I want the respect and privilege men get, but I like that for the woman that I am. You know, any penis envy is purely practical. I mean, makes peeing in a lay-by easier for a start. My only other grudge against womanhood is periods and period pain. So aside from those 12 days a year, I concluded I was pretty happy in my body. I feel like I've got the best of both worlds. You know, hips full of swagger and a decent set of boobs. And I've yet to meet anyone yet who's into women. Who isn't into boobs? But what does a butch wear when she's not poolside? When the evening comes, it's time for dinner and you've got to go out. Well, here come those shirts you never thought you'd wear with the outrageous prints and the patterns. Some of them even potentially floral. I know what's happening to the world. You can wear them in so many different ways, button it up, wear the bikini underneath, wear a white tank top. I mean, there's so many options. A tailored pair of shorts is summer's answer to the chino. Let's get proper preppy, get the deck shoes out. Some of you might be able to pull off a more athleisure wear sort of look, crack out the sportswear. But if I walk round in a basketball vest, I look like a lost child from a local summer camp. You know, so all I'm saying is play to your strengths. You can carry off far more than you think you can. But it's always good not to get too cocky. I, I tried to make clip-on sunglasses cool. Or at least, you know, not completely terrible on this holiday. A short review of the photos proves that I was not successful. No one is making clip-on sunglasses cool. No one. It was a pretty good holiday though and there was the best hour or so of my life out to sea on a jet ski. Yeah, you fall off one of them, you land in the sea, you get back on. Much more my kind of thing. Was loving that. We did a whole bunch of touristy trips and saw all of the sights. Ashley and I found a lovely little restaurant a short walk from our apartment. The food was great, the hospitality amazing. And then it would slowly shift from a restaurant into a very busy and very fun bar. We made friends with some couple 10 years older than us, as you do on holidays. For four nights in a row, we ate and drank together and put the world to rights. I didn't even try and keep up with the drinking. 
I mean, I'm not very good at it, generally speaking. And after a day in the sun, terrible idea. But as the holiday drew to a close, a karaoke night was coming up. I don't mind a bit of sing-star in the privacy of my own home, but actually singing in public? That's a strong no from me. Especially as I sound terrible and Ashley has a great voice. Our new friends, our hosts and Ashley were having none of it. I was going to have to sing. So I downed a couple of drinks and as Welsh law dictates, I belted out Tom Jones, it's not unusual, and sat back down, job done. The drinks kept coming. Our new friends wanted to say goodbye with a right old knees up. It got messy. I switched to water once they were drunk enough not to be able to notice. Ashley is trolleyed. Sunshine and booze is a deadly combo. She is insisting on ordering a pizza before we leave for the night. And as we wait, she tries to steal the terrapins living on the counter. After wrestling each one away from her repeatedly, the pizza blessedly arrives. I carry it home knowing full well Ash won't eat more than half a slice before she passes out. It's a slow and somewhat painful walk home. Ashley couldn't walk in a straight line if she painted it right now. And she wants to talk to everyone, to pet every cat, to know what is down any other road than the one we need to take. Finally, we're in the door of the apartment. Ash doesn't even open the pizza box. She passes out face down on the bed. I go out and relax on the balcony for a bit, listening to the drunken snores. It's a good job she's pretty, I think, as I finally crawl into bed myself. Terrapin theft aside, drunk Ash had been on pretty good form. And before long, I was snoring myself. The apartment blinds and curtains were blackout and they were really good. All I could see was a small slither of light where I'd not closed one properly when Ashley had woken me up getting out of bed. I cracked an eye to see her wandering towards the bedroom exit. There were no doors, just a big opening to the hallway with these enormous curtains hung either side that you could shut if you wanted more privacy. We left these open to get more AC into the bedroom. I closed my eyes and went back to sleep, or attempted to. I heard Ash stumbling about. I hope she didn't fall over. I mean, every surface in that apartment was hard tile. I heard a door open and I heard Ash muttering to herself. There were a few more footsteps and then silence for a few seconds. The moment I heard the sound, I knew what it was. But because it wasn't a sound my brain expected to hear, and because of my sleepiness, it took me a moment to react. What are you doing, Ash? I asked as I turned over. I could see her in the gloom, in the corner of the room, slightly squatting. This sight, coupled with the sound I'd just heard, and the penny dropped. I shout, Ash, you're pissing in the bedroom. It's not quite enough to wake her and she is just 
sleepily, mm-hmm, Emmy, whilst reaching for the curtain as though it's loo roll. And then she just pulls her pants back up and gets back into bed and continues to snore like nothing happened. I'm like a Wimbledon spectator as my head goes back and forth between the pretty woman lying in the bed next to me and the corner of the room she just pissed in. I'm not dealing with this in the middle of the night. I launch all of the dirty towels I can find into the corner, hope for the best and go back to sleep. This, this is a tomorrow problem. To no one's surprise. I'm up and about before Ashley the next day. The smell of a bacon sandwich I make in myself in the kitchenette brings her to consciousness. She joins me on the balcony with the strong coffee I left for her. She looks like someone who was so drunk she pissed in the corner of her bedroom last night. I wonder if she remembers. Because Tenna says she's gotta wish she didn't if she does. It becomes clear Ash doesn't remember much after trying to steal the Teenage Mutant Ninja Terrapins. Doesn't remember the pizza as she goes back into the apartment for a second cup of coffee. I mean, how do you tell your missus that she got so drunk she pissed in the bedroom? I mean, do I congratulate her for at least making it out of the bed? Ashley finds the enormous pile of towels and asks why they're there. I explain. She is obviously mortified. I tried to make a joke out of it. I mean, I don't see any other way to handle it. This, this is going to be one of those stories. Ashley would like me to never speak of it again. Ovs. And in fairness, I kept her secret for many years until Ashley herself let it slip. And I merely recounted the experience with flair when the occasion presented itself. Because if I didn't joke about it, I'd have to acknowledge that Ashley was reaching this level of drunk on a much more regular basis. I mean, even taking the sunshine on holiday cider into account. And it didn't help that our household had expanded. Ashley had a work buddy who needed a room to rent for a while. And so right before we come away on holiday, Renee had moved into the small room. She was five foot of fiery blonde who was a little bit of a man-eater. She terrified the gimp. Her and Ashley brought the after-work drinks home. It was how they blew off steam. The days always ended with a glass of wine, even the quiet ones. Still, it was good to be home. I'd missed Gucci while we were away, and uh, she was unimpressed at having been left with the gimp and this uh, new person, Renee, whoever she was. But she couldn't quite bring herself to give me the cold shoulder. Our cases were barely unpacked as we headed for the Olympics. I was so excited. I was wearing all of my merch. I mean, I was fully swept up in the Olympic fervour. The weather was doing its British best, like four seasons in one day. I opted for layers, one of which was still drying. So I'd spent the morning wandering around the house in my jeans and a sports bra. I mean, I was loving my holiday town. And I was trying to just keep those holiday vibes going. 
Once we had the house to ourselves, I tried to entice Ash into a quickie. <whistles> Crashed and burned. Shot down. I mean, I'm bouncing off the walls and for once, Ash is the subdued, grumpy one. But if you asked, she was fine. Everything was fine. And she was fine as we made our way to the Olympic venue. She was fine after lunch. So I knew she wasn't just hangry. On our final approach to the venue, we got caught in a summer shower, followed immediately by blazing sunshine. I stopped to take my hoodie off and managed to flash the world my sports bra as my t-shirt came off with it. I'd have thought nothing of it if I hadn't seen Ash roll her eyes. Whatever it was, I wasn't about to deal with it in the middle of the street. Nor was I about to let it ruin this once-in-a-lifetime moment. I put it out of my mind and let my awe at the event take over. The volunteers were absolutely wonderful. I mean, pointing you in the right direction. It just sort of felt like the world had descended on London. There were costumes and flags everywhere. It was a beautiful atmosphere. The judo itself was amazing. I mean, Ashley didn't let whatever was bothering her spoil it either. And she showed remarkable patience with a sport that at Olympic level comes down to one split second after a couple of minutes of sleeve grabbing. I watched the judoka bow before stepping onto the mat. And then again, as they bow to each other before they begin the fight. You were close enough to see the pain of defeat on somebody's face and hear the roar of victory as somebody's lifelong dreams were made real. I buzzed with childish enthusiasm as I gushed over the day's events. Ash seemed to be softening up, the mood lifting. On our last train home, there was enough space for us to talk. I asked what had been wrong. It was silly. Ashley didn't want to discuss it. But the eye roll bothered me. I couldn't think what I'd done. I mean, it was her problem, not mine, she reassured me. But it wasn't reassuring. I left it alone. I mean, I knew I could be a dick, but I didn't think I had been today. And normally, I've got an inkling I've been a dick, you know? I've been pretty hyped up. Maybe that had just pissed her off or gotten tiresome. Hours later, and it's, it's still bothering me. What was up earlier, I asked one more time. It's silly, she said again. You won't understand, and it doesn't matter now, I'm over it. Right, so it, there was a thing. What are you over? Tell me, what, what are you over? I pressed a little more. Ashley was jealous, it turned out. Of me. Because I was slim. Because being slim and staying slim was easy for me. And today, a few of Ashley's outfits hadn't fit. She'd felt fat and me parading around, loving myself, had not helped. It wasn't a thing that Ashley had ever really felt before and she'd struggled with how to get past it, with how to deal with it. My comfort in flashing my body to a street full of strangers had caused the eye roll. And that in turn had made Ashley feel like a total bitch and 
Wow. Yeah. There's your mood. You know, weight is an issue for most of us, whether you want it to go up or you want it to go down or you just want to change the shape of it. And some days we handle it well and some days we roll our eyes at our girlfriends. You know, I knew I couldn't do much more than what I was already doing, um, you know, making sure she knew how I saw her. You know, this was hers to figure out, but I was grateful not to be left in the dark. You know, I knew what I'd been up with Ashley now. And with that settled, I turned my attention back to the one thought that had gripped me as tightly as an Olympic judoka. I was going back. I was going to go back to judo. You know, I needed something outside of work and Ashley. But I didn't want to go on my own. It was scary. I needed some moral support and uh, I needed a much better excuse for being able to hide in the beginner section for a while. During a Call of Duty session, I talked Paul into coming along. And Renee seemed interested and tempted and uh, we dragged her along too. I remembered so much and it all started to come back to me as I put my gear on and tied my belt. I opted for the white belt. It didn't feel right to trade on past glories. It was time to earn it all again. I enjoyed the rituals as the session began, lining up in order of grade and bowing to your sensei. By the end of the warm-up, the reality of judo was fast coming back to me. I do not know how I survived until the end. Sheer bloody pride, I suspect. I knew I was going to learn plenty in my 30s. I just wished I hadn't started with finding out you don't bounce as well at 30 as you did at 18. Hello and thanks for listening. Three decades done and a fourth begins. I hope you'll stick with me. I haven't forgotten about my behind-the-scenes content, I promise. Life is just filling my days with content for future chapters. Let's put it that way. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please help keep it ad-free. You can donate, tip or subscribe at ko-fi.com slash well-established lesbian. That's ko-fi.com forward slash well-established lesbian. And don't forget to leave a review or tell your mates about this lesbian you've been listening to. Or just come find me on Instagram at wellestablishedlesbian. Or join us on Reddit at r slash t-o-a-w-e-l. Or maybe I'll just see you next week, so to speak. As always, thank you for the privilege of your time. And whatever you're doing this week, make it a good one. Take care of you.